You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, great to be worshiping with you here in the Cameo or online. And so before we get into the Bible study today, what do you say we put our hands out in a position to receive from the Lord and talk to him by prayer and ask him to help us. Lord, I pray that you would help me present your word in such a way that people would hear from you and not just from me. And all of us who know you, we wanna learn more of you. And those who don't know you are just saying, God, would you please reveal yourself, your heart, your presence to me. Thank you for what you're gonna do in and through us today. And we pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Well, are you one of those people, or do you know one of those people that relies way too much on their GPS, on their phone app? You know the people that can't go anywhere without using their phone app to get there. So I was talking to a young guy the other day, and he was bragging to me that he drove all the way to San Antonio from Laredo, Texas, without using his phone app, his GPS. And I said, dude, how hard is it? You just go north on 35. It's one road, okay? You just drive here, and that's it. And so I got to confess, though, that there are times, there are places that I want to go that I could probably get there just from memory, but sometimes I just check my phone to make sure I'm going the most efficient route. So that's my role as our pastor here is as a pastor here, I'm trying to keep us from going off course with our mission. And let me show you our mission. Let's say it out loud together. You ready? Here we go. Helping people who feel far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Now, everything we do around the church falls into one of four categories. We wanna help people to know Jesus, you know, it's like relationship, to cultivate freedom from habits and struggles and sins issues, and then discover purpose and then make a difference in the world. And you know, for those of you that have been here in previous weeks, you've heard us talk about the different group names of different animals and things like that. We've acknowledged the group name for a herd of elephants is called a parade, right? So we've said that The parade of elephants is not easily stopped, and whatever's in their way better get out of the way. We're inviting everyone everywhere to join the parade. So let's say those three words with passion and conviction. Ready? Here we go. Join the parade. Very good. So we got this from 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I'm reading it from the message paraphrase of the Bible, in Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory what? Parade. So we're just parading around the love, the grace, the kingdom of God from one victory to the next. And one of the things that we saw last week is that elephants have this complex social structure. And in the same way, we make disciples through relationship in smaller groups we call tribes. Now, I'm going to show you something from the Bible about elephants today. But before I get into that, I need to vent for just a minute. I need to vent some stuff about church, particularly the organized church. When I was a younger person, I was very frustrated by the church. And then as an adult, I had further frustrations with the organized church, if you will. In fact, over 20 years ago, I actually got fired from a church. Now let that sink in for just a minute. How would it feel to get fired from church? It feels like I'm being fired 
by God. Okay, that's what it, what it felt like, right? Now, in fairness to that church, I deserved to get fired from that church. But what I didn't like and what was uncomfortable for me was the way some of the people in the church, just a few, by and large people were cool to me, but a few people were not really cool with uh, the circumstances that led up to my firing and some of my struggles, sins, and issues that are really on me. And some of those, what bothered me is some of those people that I'd like confessed sins to or I told them things in confidence, they went around and gossiped about it and broke confidentiality. And then there's this one guy in the church that was chiding me about my behaviors and sins when I happened to know he had cheated on his wife multiple times, his divorce this day because of his cheating and sleeping around and stuff. And I thought to myself, man, you know, you know, why are you talking to me about my stuff? Man, you need to deal with your stuff. Isn't that like the pot calling the kettle black, you know? And so I was really frustrated with the church to a point where I, w- I was about to say, man, I'm j- I just want to flip the church the bird and never go back is the way it felt sometimes. So we all know that there are church people who are hypocritical and unaccepting and too political or judgmental. We've all heard about the sex scandals. We've all seen televangelists who live this opulent lifestyle and they're sucking poor people out of their money and manipulating them to do it. So here's what some people do is they see the problems in church and they decide, hey, you know, I like God, but I don't like the church. So I'm just going to get a few people together in my home and worship God. Well, you know what you have when you get a few people together to worship God in your home? You got yourself a church there, right? So you have another church. It just looks a little bit differently because anywhere you have people, you're going to have problems, see? So it doesn't matter if the church is meeting online, in a home, you know, gathering at a theater or a cathedral or a bar or coffee shop or a modern mega church out in the suburbs. Everywhere there, there's people, there's problems. And if you live long enough, you'll see problems in every type of gathering of people. That's why I believe St. Augustine said, the church is a whore, but she's my mother. See? Because the church has had its problems throughout history. But you know those same types of problems happen in all kinds of places. For example, there are problems in schools, aren't there? Public and private schools. And then some moms and dads think that they can solve all those problems by homeschooling, and then there's problems in the homeschool co-op. There's also problems in restaurants, right? But we don't quit going to restaurants, eating out. We're still eating out, aren't we, even though there's problems there. There's problems in businesses and corporations, whether they're for-profit or non-profit organizations, but we keep doing business with them and we keep going to those types of jobs that work for corporations that have problems. So everywhere you find people, you're gonna have problems and the same is true of the church. But let me ask you today, have you or has someone that you know been hurt by church? And as I ask that question, perhaps you're thinking of a scenario or something that hurts you. And as a pastor, I know that I have unintentionally hurt people. Oh, I've hurt people. And it's insane to me to think that people would put pastors that are imperfect like me on a pedestal in their own mind. And unfortunately, even though it's unintentional, I've hurt people. Didn't mean to do it. Um, I've also been hurt by people in the church. So what's the solution? 
Should we all just throw the baby out with the bathwater and never go back to church? Well, I think the solution is that someone's got to humble themselves, and today that's gonna be me. And so I'm gonna stand in for the person or people that have hurt you in church in the past. And even though I know I'm not that person, we have a little exercise we do in recovery that is really helpful for our own healing. And you may or may not ever see that person in that church that hurt you again, but I'm gonna stand in representing that person today to say to you what he or she should say to you if he or she were here. And I need to tell you today, I was wrong for hurting you. Will you please forgive me? I was wrong for being controlling, manipulative, hypocritical, legalistic, judgmental, and I was supposed to be a model of morality, but I was immoral. I'm so sorry. I was a poor reflection of Jesus to you. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I disappointed you. Will you please forgive me? And some of you are leaning into that and forgiving people right now. And as you allow that forgiveness to heal your heart, can I just speak something on on you? Can I speak encouragement on you today? Will you receive that? Can I speak healing into your heart today? Will you receive that? Can I speak blessing into your life today? Will you receive any of those things? Because you are loved by God. You are loved. And I'm so proud of some of you, the way that you just leaned into those moments and were able to forgive people that have hurt you in your past. And so if every group of people has problems and since we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, why should we value church at all if we go to a church knowing that something could happen where we're gonna get rubbed wrong? I think we value it because it's not about a pastor, it's not about a worship band, it's not about a building, but it's about Jesus. And look at what Jesus taught concerning the church. I'm gonna take you to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Here's what he said. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, here's where he turns it around on him. He says, who do you say that I am? And then Simon Peter made his great declaration, you were the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven, so God gave Peter this realization. And look at the next part. And Jesus says to him next, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So we've said during this series that the church is the parade, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So when I say the parade, I'd like you to say the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You ready to go on this with power and conviction? Here we go. The parade. That was a pretty solid answer for this uh, late in the afternoon, okay? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the church, when it's working properly, is like a parade of elephants that's very powerful and cannot be stopped. You know, Elephants are the largest living land mammals. African elephants can stand 
eight to 13 feet tall. They can weigh from 5,000 to 14,000 uh, pounds, and they have like a thick skin, and maybe that's a good lesson for us. Maybe we could grow a thick skin and not be so upset when... and when someone says something we don't agree with or not, you know, get so upset and offended by things. But uh, elephants with their trunk or their feet, if they decide to hit some other type of creature, they can do a lot of damage, can't they? Because elephants are very powerful. And I'll say this, is that the church, the parade, including both Catholics and Protestants, are by far the largest non-governmental provider of education, medical services, and charitable help in the world. And if the power of the church was fully realized, there would be no evil power on earth that could stop her. The church is powerful. Unfortunately, many churches are like that elephant that I told you about a couple of weeks ago that was tied to a stake and the elephant didn't realize that it could easily pull the stake out of the ground and move forward. But what churches have to learn to do is adapt to realize their potential for good in the world. And so some years ago, uh, I had the privilege of meeting a great scholar. Her name is Phyllis Tickle. I met her at a conference in Chicago and she's since passed away. But before she died, she wrote this really great book and it was called The Great Emergence. And in that book... She explains that roughly every 500 years, the church has what she would call a rummage sale and gets rid of some of its old practices and embraces new practices to, I guess, reveal how the people of God operate. So every five, roughly every 500 years, the people of God have a new way to express the kingdom of God on earth. So you can go all the way back to 1007 BC, the Davidic kingdom, and then roughly 500 years later, the people of God had to express themselves in the Babylonian captivity when they were exiled in Babylon. Then the most significant one was, you know, roughly 500 years later when Jesus came onto the scene and established the church as the expression of God in the world. Then there was Gregory and monasticism, and then there was the East-West Schism where Christianity, or I guess the church, expressed itself different from East to West. And then there was the Protestant Reformation, and in 2021 today, we are now in the middle of one of those 500-year changes in what we're calling the digital parade today. We live in a digital world, and we've had to adapt. That's why you'll see around here a friend of mine, John Wiley, who is helping us navigate the algorithms of the digital world to continue to reach people. You say, well, Pastor Doug, are we going all digital? No way. We're putting our eggs in both baskets, both in person and the digital world to help people who feel far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus around here. And rather than getting offended and canceling all the people that we disagree with in the world, how about we create another alternative? Instead of critiquing and criticizing the culture we live in, how about we create the better alternative of love and the experience of the kingdom of God in the world? And there are a lot of you who are creators here, and you're very creative in the way you bring what's called the common good. It's called common grace is the concept from the Bible that we want to bring good to all people, whether or not they agree with us about Jesus. Remember, Jesus said it rains on the just and unjust alike. And so I know some of you in your day jobs, you do all kinds of amazing things to creatively bring 
flourishing to other human beings. So I know builders in our church that creatively and honestly build and create homes. I know real estate people that help people with their housing, people in the exercise industry who run gyms to help people stay healthy. I know people in tech who help start up tech businesses. And uh, I know people who are stay-at-home parents and educators and people of every sort who have connected the dots between what they do during the day and the flourishing of other people. And that's what we do as a parade of elephants. You know, in the wild, elephants are creatures of habit. And they will walk through the jungle the same way every time. And when they walk through the jungle in the same way, they create these paths. As you can imagine, these big animals, you know, tromping down on the the plants and trees and grass, walking the same way all the time, they create like these super highways through the jungles. And other animals benefit from the elephants walking through there. Other animals are able to quickly get through the forest or the jungle because of the paths that have been made by the elephants. And the same is true of us and what you do during the week in your job. And also our presence here as a church in the heart of the city brings a cultural good to other people. There's a guy named Peter Haas, and he's a former DJ. He was a rave DJ, become He became a pastor. He's also got good taste in jackets. You know, anointed men of God wear jean jackets. I'll just tell you that right now. But uh, Peter, has he's a very clever and creative guy, very brilliant guy. And he writes about the five economic benefits of a church. And I'm going to show them to you. Number one, an average-sized church congregation brings in $4.2 million annually into area businesses. Number two, for poverty alleviation, the average small church invests around $140,000 a year into its community. Number three, large churches increase property values. So they tracked over 5,000 homes, houses within Half a mile of a large church generally experiences a 6.27% increase in property value. Number four, churches are statistically proven to decrease crime rates in a community. Number five, an average-sized church congregation adds community services equivalent to $115,000 a year. So if you add up the recovery programs and other classes that are helpful for people, it adds a significant amount of value into a community. And unfortunately, more and more cities are saying they don't want churches because they don't pay taxes, you know? But churches are actually bringing by far more value into a city or a community than what their tax revenue uh, that they would generate. And so when Jesus was creating a parade of elephants to bring a common and our cultural good to cities in different places around the world, he started in Caesarea Philippi where he established this. And I want to take you to Caesarea Philippi just for a minute by way of picture. This is what it looks like today. Now, in the ancient world, water would have flowed out of that cave, and the water that comes up out of the ground, underground, flows into the Jordan River and then on down to the Dead Sea. But in the ancient time, uh, you know, the water flowed out there, and the ancients believe that their mythical gods would fly in and out of the cave to and from the underworld. And they called that cave the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell. It was a very spiritual place to people. In fact, to the Jewish people, in some of their apocryphal 
books. It says that the fallen angels or the demons actually first touched down on earth at Mount Hermon somewhere near Caesarea Philippi, the gates of Hades, where what you're looking at on screen. Now, by the time Jesus came onto the scene and brought his disciples there, people were worshiping Pan at this rock. So Pan was the half goat, half man, God. And Pan would be pictured on the face of this rock doing pornographic acts with his nymphs. And the people that worship Pan would go there and emulate what they saw on the face of the rock. So can you imagine It's like Jesus today taking his sheltered, religious, prude-ish, homeschool disciples to sugars or all-stars. And by the way, don't pretend like you don't know what those places are, okay? It's like him just taking them there, and he's saying, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Remember Matthew 16, 18, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's always a spiritual war surrounding the place where church is being done and created with people from Caesarea Philippi types of places. Everywhere the irreligious are being reached. Everywhere people who practice such things are being reached and changed and cleansed by the power of the gospel, there will be a spiritual battle taking place in those places. Now, not long after Jesus established and started the church, he wanted to reach a new guy to spread out the reach. So he reached this guy named Saul, who was not a good citizen, was somewhat of a terrorist. And then when he came to know Jesus, Saul changed his name to Paul, and his purpose was to plant churches. So he went exclusively to cities to plant churches. By the way, that's why we're here in the heart of the city. Because when the going gets tough, the Christ followers don't leave the places where they're needed the most. They move into those places, see? People live in cities, and God loves people. That's why he wants us to have churches in cities, because there's a lot of image of God represented in the cities. And so I'm so glad that you're here. But Paul also would establish these churches and he would appoint elders and pastors and teachers and they would meet publicly in a gathering like what we're in right now. And they would also meet in these home groups, kind of like our tribes that meet in homes and other places. So this is the way they met. And unfortunately, a lot of people today think that the early church was filled with these perfect God-fearing people that had it all together. But the reality is, if you read through the New Testament epistles, that wasn't the case at all. In fact, these people were pretty jacked up, and that's why we have most of our New Testament today in the Bible, because Paul was writing these letters to people who were jacked up. I mean, you know, jacked up. That's Greek for they were really screwed up. I mean, these people were simple, okay? And so he had to write these letters to help fix them. And we still read these letters today to grow and change and get transformed by the Word of God from the problems that we have, but even though Paul knew how messed up these people were, he still was willing to suffer for them. Let me show you Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, where Paul says, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the what? Say it. The church. Can we try that again? He's like, he said, I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the 
church. That's good. And even though he knew how messed up they were and the problems that they had, he loved the church passionately. Look at what Ephesians 5, 25 says. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the what? The church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present himself uh, to uh, present her to himself as a glorious what? Church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. And so in a relationship, is it a sign of love and commitment on a person's part if they bail out on the person they're with or if they stick with them and help them become glorious without spot, wrinkle, or any other blemish? Maybe rather than bailing out in the church, we ought to help her become clean without wrinkle or blemish. See, in the Bible, like we just read, Jesus sees the church like his wife. And that reminds me of one weekend, I was standing right down here after service, and a guy came up to me, and he started encouraging me about my sermons, which I liked. And he started to say, Pastor Doug, your sermons are the most intellectually stimulating and inspiring I've ever heard. And I said, tell me more, tell me more. I sense you're a man of great discernment. And so he was encouraging me there, but then the conversation changed. And he said, but your wife, she's a real drag on, and drain on your ministry. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? This is my life partner of 33 years. We've been through thick and thin together. And now I'm thinking I want to go MMA on this guy. And I think I can do jujitsu right here on these prayer rugs. I mean, we pray on him, but we, just for a few minutes, I can get this, this guy in a hold, you know, and cause submission here. Now, I'm going to let you off the hook now. I made up that story. Everybody know you should have had a clue when I talked about how insightful and inspiring my talks are, but everybody knows that my wife is not a drain on anything. Everybody knows my wife's amazing, but they're, you're right on? Yeah, yeah. But the reason I made up the little story is it helps me see, and I hope it helps you see, how it makes Jesus feel when people talk trash about his church. There's this spooky, smart missiologist guy. He's a scholar. His name is Ed Stetzer. And he says, you can't love Jesus and hate his wife. Isn't that the truth? You ever know anybody that says, yeah, I love God. I love Jesus, but I just don't want to have anything to do with church. You don't really get to do that. You got to love Jesus and his wife. Now, one guy's wife becomes another person's mother. And so the church is like our mother. And you know, my mother, I don't like people to talk about my mother. Do you like people to talk about your mom? Say bad things about your mom? I, I don't like that at all. I get to talk about my mom, but you don't, okay? My mom drives me crazy sometimes, you know? Especially when she wants me to help her with her smartphone or with her computer. I think there should be a Bible verse about moms and technology because they just drive us crazy when they try and use it, right? Uh, like, my mom, she watches The Sound of Music. She made me watch The Sound of Music musical way too many times. You know that movie where they all dress the same, the Von Trapps, Hills Are Alive, all that kind of thing. She, she watched it way too much. It annoys me. She made me watch I think it's child abuse to make me watch that movie too many times. My mom also, she steals those little sweeteners, you know, those pink sweetener packets from Luby's. You know, she takes too many home in her purse, okay? I get to make fun of my mom, but you don't, okay? Just like with your mom, other people don't get to talk about your mom, but see, look, we love our moms, 
If you believed in Jesus, the church is your mother and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. Now look, our church here is not perfect. I'll just tell you that straight up. And some of you are new here and you really love it. You're like, oh, I really love this church. No, just give us time. We'll disappoint you. Give me some time. I'll work on it. I'm going to rub you wrong. Someone in the church is going to rub you wrong because people are here. You know what you could do? You just keep going from place to place to place to place. And then someone makes you mad, you go somewhere else. Everywhere you go, there you are. Everywhere you go, people are. But even though our church here isn't perfect, and we've had problems we're trying to fix and all that, you know, there's a lot of things to be proud of here at City Tribe Church. Like our students, for example, this past year got training and they invited students from all over the city to come get training to avoid teen pregnancies, which, by the way, is one of the most significant social problems in our city is teen pregnancies. And through the help of Urban Strategies, we were able to get that training out to students all, from all over our city because of your mom, the church. We took a lot of people through Cultivate to deal with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. People would have spent thousands of dollars to pay a therapist to do that, but it's offered here for free because of your mom, the church. Homeless families today have a place to live and food in their stomachs at Strong Foundation because of your mom, the church. People under bridges not far from here have received aid, food, clothing, hot showers, and most of all, love because of your mom, the church. People of every different age, adults and children alike, were baptized through this past year because they believed in Jesus because of your mom, the church. People received help from our benevolence fund this past year during the pandemic when people couldn't pay for their bills. We paid for people's mortgages, insurance payments, utility bills, food, and on and on I could go because of your mom, the church. There's a lot to be proud of around here. And you know, as I think about the many different kinds of people that have come to faith in Christ here at City Tribe Church. I couldn't help but think about this past week, Kelly. Brought a picture of Kelly. She's a bit of an artist, a creative gypsy. She never really stays in the same city for very long. She'll move to a city and be there for a few years, and then she moves on to the next place. And I met Kelly some years ago as a group of us were going on a church event that day. We were kind of standing outside here between Alibi's Bar and our church here, and she was telling me a bit of her story that she had not been in church for like 30 years. And as she was telling me her story, she finished her cigarette and put it out and explained to me how she'd been converted. And then she was ultimately baptized here. I brought a picture of Kelly's baptism that took place in a water trough right outside these doors. And not long after Kelly was baptized, she sent me in her words how she felt about church. Here's what she said where I find beauty. I've spent most of my life involved in theater and the performing arts. Theaters, especially backstage, are magical, special places to me. Finding City Tribe Church after 30 years away from any church because it was in a theater is one of the more special things that I associate with theater now. So this is where I find beauty the most. Backstage is at a theater, sitting in the audience or being a part 
of a great, loving, awesome church community in a theater. Isn't that good? Right on. And you know, Kelly has since moved on, as gypsies do. But I, I hope that as long as I have breath, I can be standing here in this theater or whatever building God moves us to so that gypsies and locals, people who are pretty good and people who are pretty bad, can hear about Jesus and experience the beauty of the gospel and experience a good, loving church. Is anybody besides me on board with doing that for a while around here? Does anybody want to do that with me? Yeah. It's good. And that's why over the past few weeks, we've invited you to participate that is, get here online or in person to promote the parade by inviting others to come and experience Jesus and then to provide for others to experience it financially. And, you know, before we wrap up, I want to talk to a handful of you that perhaps exercised a lot of courage to come into this building today or to tune into this online. For you, the question today is not what those other people do about Jesus, but the question from Jesus to you is from the text that we read today. When Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Not who do you say that the pastor or the priest or religious leaders, but who do you say I am, Jesus says. And if you can embrace the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, then you can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ today. You can become one of his kids, and that's what he wants. He does good in the world so that you'll see the good in him and experience him. So let's bow for prayer. And as we pray, and you would like to begin love relationship with God today, just say something like this in your own heart and mind to him. Just say, look, God, I know you and I haven't always got along. But God, today I choose to confess that I have sinned. And I choose to believe that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died there to pay the penalty for my sin. I choose to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus, welcome into my life. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, everyone said. Amen. Well, as we wrap up today, I just wanted to remind you of what Lee told us earlier, that next week is Super Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. If you prayed to begin a relationship with Christ today or at any other time and you've not yet taken the first step of obedience, which is baptism, man, we would love to see you get registered to be baptized next Sunday over at the Lone Star Pavilion here in Sunset Station. Also, if you're a parent that would like to dedicate your kids to raising them in the ways of God, then you can get registered for both baptism or child dedication at citytribe.church slash events. And we hope that that event serves you. Now, as I talk about our stewardship today, you guys always hear us talking about bringing a first fruit, like a first priority, not like just whatever or whenever, but like first priority tithe at the local storehouse, the church. We get all that from the Bible. And I wanted to kind of brag on one of our tribes or one of our groups. There was a small group in the church. They decided they wanted to sponsor the entire Easter event. So they all pitched in above and beyond their ties, right? That's pretty cool, I thought. And so they basically, above their ties, paid for, you know, our whole Easter event. Just this group 
of people. And I was talking to a woman who is a part of that tribe. She's a single mother. She's not in the picture there, but she was telling me after she stretched herself to give above and beyond to pay for this, that this week she received an unexpected like over $400. And then there's another couple in that picture that they were really stretching themselves to give above their tithes and they received an extra check, like unexpected check in the mail for $1,000. Another guy there received an unexpected check for $1,500. And then there was one guy there that through his company, it wasn't just in his pocket, it was for his company, received an unexpected $350,000. Okay, now look. Look, I know, okay, before you clap for it, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are clapping like, hallelujah, that's awesome, right? But some of you are thinking, really? Some of you are thinking, so what you're saying is if I give money to your church, then there's gonna be a Lamborghini in my driveway tomorrow, right? No, that's not the way it works. What I can tell you for certain is that when we steward our resources God's way, he provides everything we need every single time. And Jesus is a giver, not a taker. He's generous, and he loves to bless his kids. You know how you feel when you get your kid something really great for their birthday or for Christmas or whatever. That's the way Jesus feels. You think that we feel more generous than Jesus? No, he, he loves us and he loves to bless his kids. And so I'm grateful for these folks. Now, one of the things about these folks that I'm a little jealous of is that I wanted to invest financially in Super Sunday and they already did it. But what we come up with a solution is that we think we're supposed to do more Super Sundays this year rather than just Easter. And so we're praying about renting other venues to be able to meet in as other people feel like coming back to public gatherings as the pandemic dies down. And so we're looking at doing another one in August. And so everything that we take in above our regular operating budget, we're gonna put to these Super Sundays. So if you, like me, wanna participate in that, then we can just give our regular offerings in the tithe line, you know, on your envelope or online and... Uh, that way we can pay for those events uh, that way where we can like invite all the people from the bridges and everybody around town to get meals and hear the gospel and all kinds of awesome stuff. Wouldn't that be fun? So here's how to get that done here at City Tribe in case you're new. You can donate by mail, send it to the P.O. Box number online, citytribe.church slash tithe. Text to tithe, 74483 space uh, you t type in tribe space dollar mountain press send or in person at the giving stations I can see you can see pictured on screen those are at the exits of the theater and then Margot put together these little QR codes I think some of them are out there on the chairs and you just scan your phone on that and it'll get you to the place where you can contribute in that way and so thank you guys you guys are so generous and I was a little nervous about paying for our Easter event and I knew God would come through but it's kind of like you know he will but you're kind of like I hope he does you know so anyways thank you guys for doing that and thank you guys for your generosity before you guys worship through your stewardship let's stand up and put a hand out in a position to receive and if you would allow me to speak a word of benediction over us Dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from here, may you plow through the jungle and create paths that others benefit from through your good and honest work during the week. And as you walk from here, may you walk filled with the Spirit, bringing good to all who pass by. Walk from here with confidence, knowing 
that the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Walk from here knowing that you are unstoppable. We'll see you guys next Sunday at Easter Sunday. Have a great week. Bye now. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.